Hello and welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Emily, and my focus here at Child Morris is in the nutraceutical and ingredient space. In today's episode, I speak to Elan Sugberg, CEO of Alchemist Labs and the chair of American Herbal Products Association Psychedelic Plants and Fungi Committee. We talk about the industry trends, recent acquisitions and the tricky business of navigating FDA regulations in this fascinating space. Here it is. Hope you enjoy listening. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Elan, for joining us. So you sit on 10 different committees within the industry and you've been CEO for almost 27 years. Briefly, tell me about Alchemist Labs and and how you ended up in the nutraceutical industry. Yeah, so uh, kind of born into it. Um, my my uh, mother is a retired uh, microbiologist, and so I basically grew up in her laboratories. And my father was a chiropractor, acupuncturist, and had a line of herbal supplements. So as long as I can remember, sort of in the lab and or nutraceutical industry, and uh, grew up with uh, herb presses and grinders and, and potions in the garage. That was our manufacturing facility. Don't tell the FDA. Many years ago, of course. <laughs> uh, and we actually, um, my one of my first jobs as a teenager was pressing herbs and grinding up roots and things like that. And then at some point in time, around 1995, 96, we started to get a little more serious about the about the um, the tincture business my father had and do some quality control uh, of our own incoming raw materials. And so we tested some raw materials and actually failed them. And then what happened was when you fail things, people get excited or upset. And so the vendor who sold the vendor who sold the vendor the material uh, went back and forth, how and why, and we explained how and why we failed it, which is also a new kind of paradigm of transparency and lab testing. It used to be, and it still is in some cases, the sort of a trust me, trust the science argument, which is very, very uh, flawed logically uh, still to date. And so we were very transparent and we shared our results. And then they asked us to do some more testing, which was odd from a, you know, we were a tincture manufacturer, not a laboratory. And we did more testing and more testing. And eventually people were sending us materials to test um, at the time, uh, back in the late 90s, there wasn't a lot of labs focusing only on plants and mushroom identity testing. And that's what we did. Um, and so actually, I cashed in a, a, a 401k that I had from my bar mitzvah as a, as a young 13 year old. And my dad cashed in some retirement funds and we bought some lab equipment and started the lab. And, uh, you know, um, 27 years later, now we have almost 50 employees and serve the world's uh, botanical and fungus uh, communities. I mean, we make sure that you have the right material, so identity. We make sure you have the right quality, which is potency, and then uh, impurity, which is really a reflection of contamination of metals, pesticides, uh, microbes, residual solvents. And so we really service the entire botanical and fungal industry from top to bottom. Uh, you name a plant, we've tested it. You name a mushroom, we've tested it. And we have an on-site herbarium with almost 20,000 specimens to compare your stuff to our stuff to make sure your stuff is, is correct. Personally, I always wanted to be a, a police officer because I love justice and I, I, I'm a real follower and it just, it really kills me when I see people cheating and I choose, of course, not to cheat. And so um, that wasn't the path for me, but the testing that we do, we're kind of the plant cops. And so I do feel greatly fulfilled by the work that I do to make sure that uh, consumers all around the world have safe, effective uh, and tested products. Fantastic. And as chair of AHPA's Psychedelic Plant and Fungi Committee, can you shed light on how the committee's role is is shaping the responsible and ethical integration for these substances and how what excites you about the the future of psychedelics? Yeah, so I think um, you know, when you look at the world population, just to say the US, there's a $20 billion Prozac market, which tells you there's definitely a need for mental health solutions. Um, 
And so I've, you know, personally always been interested in psychedelics. Uh, you know, I love plants and mushrooms and the power that they have. You know, broccoli is important, arugula is important, but then there's other plants that will either kill you or, you know, uh, you might meet God or whichever direction you want to go. And so I've always had an affinity for plants and mushrooms. And actually 15 years ago, I appealed to the OPA board to start the first cannabis committee in our industry. And we did that. And it's a little bit, been a little bit messy as, you know, as is that, that category. Um, but we were there uh, to help guide the industry around regulations and safe and effective practices uh, in the, the gray areas of the legalities of that product. It's still federally illegal. Uh, state to state is all legal. Um, and similar with psychedelics, I saw early uh, that there's a, a movement occurring. Um, you know, our, our friend Michael Pollan has has popularized um, psychedelics probably more than anyone else has in recent times, just because of his reach and Netflix and whatnot. But so there's this new interest in psychedelics, the power of natural plants uh, and mushrooms. Uh, and to me, it, it speaks to the need of the world. I mean, the last three years have been really hard for a lot of people. And we're all reaching for better access to things to help our immune system. And, you know, we're also learning, you know, uh, that mental health is really, really critical. And there are solutions that the, the Western medical complex has for us, but usually those come with other complications that cause other complications and other complications. And in the background, for thousands and thousands of years, all these plants and fungus, which have been already tested for thousands of years by various um, cultures and people, uh, and they have a lot of promise and hope. So now, uh, pharma is interested, natural products is interested, and there's, I see this as another uh, solution to mental health issues. Um, where exactly the dietary supplement fits in that, I, it's unclear. I don't, I don't even think that they fit because it's, it's, you know, it's a strong medicine, DE regulated, and gets more complicated and more complicated the further you look into it. But all I know is that these plants and these uh, fungus need representation and and protection. And APA is really great at doing that. Uh, and, you know, so, so when, as a board member, I brought it to the board's attention saying, hey, there's this issue occurring. We need to get ahead of it. Uh, we are the American Herbal Products Association. This is our job. The, the, the mission or the, the mission of the, of the organization is really to help and protect plants and give people safe and effective access to it or some version of that. And so I felt like this was a really good fit and it was voted in. Um, the fact is, none of the members of APA will be legally selling any of these materials uh, currently or not for a while because they're still federally legal. But we all feel very passionate about the power of plants and mushrooms and our duty is to help uh, protect those and keep them accessible to the to the people. So that was a lot. But that's kind of what we're yeah. looking at with APA's Psychedelic Plant Committee. No, absolutely. And, and thanks for sharing that. And, and you're right in saying that there is a, you know, a huge movement at the minute in terms of psychedelics and all the articles uh, online are saying that it's going to be a multi-billion pound industry and it is gaining widespread acceptance after decades of concerns about the recreational use of the products. The FDA have recently approved some use of medicinal mushrooms for people with mental illnesses, but I read that it's difficult and expensive for companies to get FDA approval. Do you yeah. think regulations issued by the FDA are fair and what changes, if any, would you like to see be made to the overall accessibility and speed to gain FDA approval? It's an interesting question because I love, love the FDA because it, you know, um, it helps protect the people from, from, you know, poisonous foods and things like that. But I also have a, a great aversion to how they handle these things. There's obviously a, a finger on the scale towards the Western medical complex of, of pharma. Don't get me wrong. If I ever get really sick, and I need the drugs. I'm happy that they exist. And I've got friends and family who have been saved 
by the drugs that pharma produces, but at the same time, they have a model and the model is profit and the profit usually will hinder things um, like ethics and morals. Uh, and we've seen that time and time. Some of the biggest companies in that field have been um, fined, some of the biggest fines in corporate history for wrongdoing. So I am not pleased with the FDA on that. I think that they allow drugs into the market that shouldn't be allowed even with during the pandemic. And they don't allow natural products uh, with greater solutions, primarily because, and this is where I turn into a conspiracy theorist who is just basically a, a future teller, uh, a little six months early, perhaps, that you know the, the fact is the money is not available for the Western medical complex. Mushrooms grow on feces in the dark <laughs> by themselves <laughs> without any effort. You don't need to patent that. And you could do that in a closet and carefully treat yourself uh, under you know proper guidance. The way it's going to go, fortunately and unfortunately, is that it needs to have some regulations and some barriers and control so that people don't abuse it. Um, you mentioned recreational. These materials have been used as recreational in the last you know 100 years that we're aware of. But prior to that, it was medicine. It was it was the medicine. Uh, it, you know, and there's been, like you said, there's been some really promising studies, uh, you know, acknowledged by the FDA about, you know, uh, alcoholism cessation and probably smoking cessation is different is coming in there. And just to get people off pharma drugs that cause other side effects that need more pharma drugs and that circle just never end or never ends. So, mm -hmm. um, but back to your question, no, I'm not pleased with how the FDA is, is handling this. That's not saying that I think they should be suddenly legalized and just, you know, Sell, sold on the streets uh, um, like by vendors or anything like that. I think it needs to be very carefully controlled, but not uh, not held for only pharma to make money off of. And that's yeah. my fear is that that's the path it will go, that that you know, pharma will add a carbon and an oxygen and try to patent it and do a time release version and a subscription model. When in fact, you can just take a very small amount of mushrooms every day or every other day on your own and achieve great success on anxiety and focus and uh, you know, speak out of um, personal experience on that. And uh, I will stand on the on the stand for that one uh, till the day I die. I personally don't read well. I, I have learning disabilities in school and barely made it through college. College was probably one of my most traumatic experiences in my life. I drive by my old school and I get goosebumps. It just wasn't a good experience for me. And uh, when I microdose, I can read. And when I microdose, I can play piano better and or be on podcasts better or speak in front of the 500 people on stage without anxiety. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of it. I think it's it's a it will help a lot of people. And hoping to see it become more normalized. Um, there's nothing recreational about uh, microdosing. And you you can look at it like you know I have coffee in the morning. We're taking a small dose of caffeine. Uh, snorting caffeine on a on a table doesn't go well. Uh, I've never tried that, but it's not uh, it's not publicly accepted. But we can all take coffee as much as we want. It's the same thing. It's just a delivery mechanism, and you can have a small amount or a large amount. Um, and some people look we. We need our coffee. We line up at Starbucks and pay $8 for a cup of it, like a bunch of hamsters every morning. I mean, tell me that this is not a potential problem of for abuse. And so now I make us look over at psilocybin, a harmless little molecule in a, in a mushroom that grows on feces in the dark by itself. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of solutions uh, for problems that we've caused on our own with those, those materials. So huge, huge fan of microdosing. And I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes with combination of other materials and products and, you know, gaining more um, credibility in the mainstream marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you obviously you mentioned at the beginning there about post COVID and the impact that had. Um, so another article that I read in the food business um, news online stated that the sports nutrition industry post COVID 
um, has actually seen an 8% increase and it's actually set to surpass 77.95 billion by 2030. Obviously, seeing that in comparison to the psychedelic industry, why do you think that there has been an increase in the acquisitions around the sports nutrition uh, sector? Yeah, you know, it's, I read something online. I, I, someone said noticing is up. And I thought that was really cool that noticing is up because we are watching. We are carefully watching more than we ever did before as a people. Um, look, the pandemic came. Solutions were offered, sometimes forced. They didn't do what they were promised. And people were, you know, afraid. And they trusted the government and the CDC and WHO and the FDA and all of those you know, coolant bodies. And, you know, whether we were lied to or it was just like quick information to just, you know, patch a problem, whatever it is, the people don't trust the solutions that were given to us because they did and they didn't work and everyone still got COVID and people still mm -hmm. got sick. Um, and I, so I think as a result, there's more noticing. And so noticing from the families, we need to take care of our immune systems because the solutions given to us didn't actually work and we still got sick. And then at the same time, what we saw with COVID is a lot of people who died didn't die of COVID, they died with COVID. And these were, you know, kings and queens of comorbidities, especially in the United States. We won at losing. We won at losing COVID because we are such a sick people. And if you look around, you go, and I'm speaking out of my experiences, obviously, where I live and where I travel, a lot of unhealthy people around. And so we learned really quickly that you could survive having COVID with or without a vaccine. But if you had one comorbidity, your, your chances of dying went way up. And so my point is that we pay more attention now. We notice more about our immune system and perhaps we pay more attention to our, our health, which is, you know, maybe we're going to the gym more, maybe we're running more, we're walking more. And, you know, there's nothing like a great pre-workout uh, drink before the gym. I mean, this morning I woke up at 4.30, I drank my pre-workout at five o'clock, I crushed my records at six mm -hmm. uh, and I feel terrific. And it's not to say because of, but I didn't buy pre-workout drinks and, um, for a long time. And then after COVID, I, I said, look, I'm, I'm, already in, in good health and I wanted to stay that way. So I'm now a big fan of the sports supplement market and buying pre-workout drinks and things like that. So I think it's just a function of the, the population saying, look, we were told, we were guided. It didn't quite work out as well as we were promised. We need to take our health into our own hands. And so we're going to reach for every solution we have, whether it's mental health and psychedelics, where it's immune health in the mushroom, uh, new mushroom category, the new old mushroom category. And then sports supplements, people are probably, you know, the soccer moms are probably taking more supplements that, than they did uh, last year as a result of just taking control of our own bodies finally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned there the new and old medicinal mushroom industry. What emerging trends do you see or, or anticipate that will come um, towards the end of 2023 and, and then next year? So uh, it's funny, when I was a kid, uh, my, my father used to give us supplements uh, and uh, um fish oil in a nasty spoon of thick yeah, gooey me it too like they took <laughs> a pod and it squished on my spoon I drank it yeah. it comes a lot better these days but uh I also took a thing called a maitake or as a myco something it was like a kid it was like an immune system mushroom blend so uh the fact is mushrooms been around for I would say millions of years I'm not a, a you know evolutionary um mycologist or anything but it, a long time these are not new and they've been taken for thousands of years for their properties um and just I think, again, because of COVID, because our reach for better solutions to immune health that are not drugs, that are not experimental uh, DNA things, uh, and we're not going to join clinical trials, you can you can take a mushroom product and improve your immune health. And there's also really great research studies on that proving that these things actually work. So my prediction is that the the shroom boom will continue. It may, it's not a flash in the pan. It's going to, it's a new category that showed up and it's an old 
new category. It's, there's nothing new about these products. They're, they're just coming back out, being marketed better. People paying more attention to their health and immune systems uh, products are really important. So I predict the, the, the mushroom category will continue to, to you know, um, take uh, space in the immune category area. And then also of the mushroom category, there's the psychedelic side, which will join the mental health uh, toolbox. Uh, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Absolutely. And, and I completely agree. And, and just touching back on the fact that you sit on 10 different committees within the industry and, and you've been within the industry for, you know, since being a child, as you mentioned, what other, aside from medicinal mushrooms and the sports nutrition, what trends do you think that will see arise um, towards 2024? So as I mentioned earlier, noticing is up. I think the people want to know more. Um, and my prediction about that is transparency uh, is is not going away either. You know, we um, it's not a buzz phrase. Uh, it's something that the people um, want to know. You know, uh, transparency in banking, transparent corporate structures, that's all a thing now. And that's not going away. And, and supplements, you know, we, we buy these products. They are supposed to have what they say in the bottle, but it's only trust that proves that. And so now there's a movement of transparency to the consumers. Uh, something that I've been pushing about eight years is transparency in lab testing. There's no reason why you wouldn't uh, show all the data it took to get to the results that are ultimately on the bottle. And so um, really smart brands are finding that there's a marketing goldmine and it's called quality. They spend millions and millions of dollars a year on testing, which like they should, and they don't say anything about it. It's like a marketing campaign you put in your drawer and never launch. And so I, I identify as a marketing guy with a chemistry degree and I've been mm -hmm. pushing uh, other labs in the lab business to basically share the results so that the consumers can actually see them. So consumer-centric CVAs, uh, consumer-centric um, data, whether it's a QR code on a bottle that leads to, here's what's in this product, here's when we know it's good, here's the lab that tested it, here's the actual test results, where the consumer can actually understand a chromatogram of, an, of a high-performance li liquid chromatography is unlikely, but we all know that they have access to it and that builds the trust. So to your question, I think there'll be a movement of transparency uh, in food and in supplementation and the brands who don't do that will be lost. And the ones who are who are smart and doing the right thing have a beautiful goldmine of marketing they can exploit and gain uh, further market share. And ultimately, the consumers who you know are told by mainstream media and politicians that we're unregulated, unsafe and, and untested are false. And the only way to counter that argument is to actually show that we are tested, safe and effective. So what's next for you in, in the industry? What have you got lined up is something that is your, your next challenge to uh, yeah. succeed? <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. We're a, we are a, a David amongst Goliaths. We are, we are one of the, the, small, the biggest small lab in the industry. Uh, there's there's this one other small lab about our size. So for me, it's really, it's, uh, we're thriving you know, beyond belief right now. It's not just surviving, we're thriving. The big lab experience is, is crummy. It's just no one enjoys that. It's like going to a big box retailer versus a, a you know um, a smaller shop, and so we're enjoying the love that we experience from the industry and the world on the work we do. And we're at this moment we're trying to figure out what our next path is, whether we go conquer probiotic testing or we conquer vitamin testing or uh, go towards the sports supplement industry. We generally listen to what our clients are, are asking us to do based on their experiences with the other testing labs. So. Uh, time will tell where we where we end up uh, in the next uh, five years, but we've got some really big plans and uh, stay tuned. Brilliant. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. So that was my CM conversation with Elan Sugberg. I'd like to thank Elan again for his time and insight he provided on this fascinating topic. I hope anyone interested in medicinal plants and fungi could gain some valuable perspectives 
from his role and experiences in the industry. Subscribe to CM Conversations today for more insights on exciting topics with thought leaders across many different industries. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Emily Austin. Bye for now.